Well, today is week two of our new series that we just kicked off last week called The Kingdom. The Kingdom. As I mentioned last week, and as it kind of has been the theme, Nathan just hit on it too, we're living in such a broken and uncertain world, and a lot of people have been concerned and even worried to death about the state of our society and the condition of our country. So I just sensed that the Lord was leading me to, to, to preach uh, in these next several weeks on refocusing on the kingdom of God. We've been focusing on the wrong things. Even as a church, I believe, we've been focusing on the wrong things. We've been focusing on the news. We've been focusing on politicians. We've been focusing on social media. We've been focusing on things that, 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 that has, has caused us into this state of, 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 of uneasiness and worry. And I get it. Again, it has been a doozy. And there's been a lot of stuff going on. But at the same time, Jesus says this in Matthew 3, 31 and 33. He's speaking about worry specifically. And Jesus said, don't worry about these things. So you can, we can stop right there and say whatever these things are, right? Let's just pause. Whatever it is you've been worried about. I mean, he talks about food and clothes here, but, but the context is worry. So if you've been worried about something, you can add something different in there. Whatever you going on, whatever's going on in your life right now. You can add it to the scripture. He says, don't worry about these things, fill in the blank, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Where will we go? How's this year going to turn out? Let me add so forth and so on. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what's the remedy? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So whatever it is you're worried about, and some of the things, it might not even be specifically for you. How will this, this, you know, election turn out? The results turn out? How will this year? When is this COVID thing all going to end? When, you know, whatever it may be. And you may have something personal going on in you, you've been dealing with, that has nothing to do with these three things. But whatever it is, he says, first of all, he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is that if you're, we're believers, we shouldn't even be thinking along these lines. Or it shouldn't dominate us. I know worry is going to come up. That, that Those things will come up. But, but he said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So if your mind is being dominated by worry and fear and uncertainty, you're ultimately acting like an unbeliever. Come on, somebody. And so I'm just trying to challenge you. I hope that this, this message today and as we continue this series stirs you up because I do believe it, it's, it's what the Lord's saying. Matter of fact, Brother Francis texted me last week after the message and he said, hey man, Tony Evans and another, I forgot the other guy, said was preaching almost the same message last week. I had no idea. And if y'all know Tony Evans, he is a mighty man of God. I felt totally blessed and honored to be along the same lines as what he was doing, right? But I believe, what is that? It's, who is that? It's the Holy Spirit, right? I, I didn't go, I didn't know what these men are preaching. I didn't know what they were, what they were doing, but the Holy Spirit of God is saying a lot of the same thing throughout this earth, right? Starting in the church and foremost and forearm. Going forward. I don't think that sounded right. Anyway, moving forward. So last week, as I kicked off the series, we looked at what and where is the kingdom of God? And, and three things I hit on is that the kingdom of God is an ancient kingdom with an eternal king. Secondly, it is a present kingdom 
was an indwelling king. You remember Jesus said, it's, you can't see, it's not here or there. If we're born again believers with the Spirit of God inside of us, he's an indwelling king by his Spirit. So really the kingdom of God, he says, is within us and among us. And then the third thing is that it's a future kingdom with a coming king. Amen? And remember, we ended saying not everybody will inherit the kingdom of God. He said that we will inherit a kingdom that is unshakable, but not everyone will inherit the kingdom of God. They have to put their faith, trust in the, in the coming king and turn away from a sinful lifestyle. So today we're going to talk about the kingdom's culture. And I think this is huge. The kingdom's culture. So what is culture in general? Some would say culture is language. Like down here, there's certain dialects of French. That's a part of our culture. Our culture is food, right? When you talk about South Louisiana, one of the first things people say, when, I, when we'll go to conferences, we'll go, we'll travel. People say, where are you from? Oh, I'm, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, Scott, South Louisiana. Oh, man, I've been down there. The food down there is great. How many of y'all have heard that, right? You go somewhere, that's the first thing they say is the food is great, right? Maybe the culture is the music in a lot of areas. Again, down here, that's big. The language, the food, the music. It, maybe cult, culture could be manners, or a mindset, or a certain ideology, probably the best way to describe a culture is what is normal among people or a certain place. That's the culture. It's what's normal there. It's normal when people say, man, y'all have great food, or man, y'all got spicy food. For us, we're like, that ain't spicy, man. What you talking about? Like, you know, like, right? It's normal. The way we, the, the, the spices in our food is normal, right? To hear uh, Zotico or Cajun music or whatever, to hear dialects of different French, you know, Cajun or Creole French. That For a lot of us in here, that's normal. We grew up here. And some people maybe in here, you spoke French before you spoke English. I know my dad did, right? That's normal. But people come down here, it's like, man, I didn't know y'all spoke French in Louisiana, right? What's, what's normal? So culture is what's normal amongst the people are a place. Look at Romans 12 too. And I want to read it in, 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 a, in a translation. This is a newer translation. And I like the way it says it. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Come on, somebody. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a totally, a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Talking about the Lord. So here's my question this morning. Are we as the body of Christ imitating and being influenced by the culture of the world around us or the culture of the kingdom of God? What culture is influencing us or driving us forward more? Because it is definitely two different cultures, right? Where do you get your ideals and your opinions from? There's some questions. We're doing a little, a little self-inventory as we take off this morning. What are your ideals? What is your ideology and your opinions? You know, everybody got an opinion, right? Isn't that right? What do they, what, what forms your opinions? Is it your friends? Maybe it was your parents, how you grew up? Is it your coworkers? Is it the media? Is it movies, music, politics, or is it the kingdom of God? See, the culture of our country in this world, it's constantly changing. And it's changing for the worse, right? I mean, just look around. Think about this. What was not even talked about a half a century ago is both tolerated and even celebrated today. Isn't that right? What has happened? The culture in our country has changed. We had a culture of certain things that were inappropriate to even talk about. Now it's tolerated and even celebrated. 
all over the place. When you walk down the streets, on TV and movies and music, on the news, whatever the case may be. See, our culture in this world is constantly and will continue to change. But the culture of the kingdom of God will never change because the king doesn't change. It's an unchanging culture. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless always. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You see that? So if the king doesn't change, that means the culture doesn't change. The kingdom doesn't change, and his culture doesn't. So this morning, I want to show you three principles of kingdom culture. Because you know what? It's counterculture to what we're living in right now. The kingdom culture is countercultural to the world's culture. I know that's a lot of cultures there. But it's the truth, right? So here's three principles of the kingdom of God I want to show you from the word of God. The kingdom's culture, again, is defined by the king. In a natural kingdom, culture is set by the king. Anytime there is a monarchy, the culture is set by the king who is sitting on the throne. That's who sets the culture. Like nowadays, now the media a lot sets our culture, right? The media in, in, in our nation and in a lot of nations have set the culture. But in a kingdom, the king sets the culture. In the kingdom of God, it's Jesus who sets the culture. See, we see Jesus beginning to do this in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. As I begin to study this out, some of you, maybe a lot of you, have heard messages on the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, but look at it through the eyes of what Jesus was doing. Check this out. Matthew 5, 1 through 3. When Jesus saw the crowds of people there, he went up on the hill and sat down. His followers came and sat next to him. Then Jesus began teaching the people. He said, great blessings belong to those who know they are spiritually in need. God's kingdom belongs to them. Then the rest of Matthew 5 is what's known as the Beatitudes, is Jesus defining what the kingdom culture is like. He said, listen, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, this is what it's going to be like. He also had to change the culture from a legalistic and religious one to what it was intended to be. See, the Jewish people at the time had, had, had known God. Some have known God, but it turned into religiosity. It turned into legalism. So Jesus began to, 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 to preach this whole message, which is Matthew chapter 5, and he began to change the culture from a legalistic one to what it was intended to be. So, so let me stop right here and say, I'm talking about, you know, the kingdom of God being different than the world's culture. But I believe what's happened is over the years, Jesus, he changed it thousands of years ago into what our relationship in the kingdom of God was supposed to be. But as time went on, it's swinging back to religiosity and legalism. And so hopefully this morning, it's a twofold thing. We need to look at a kingdom culture away from the world, but also what really Jesus intended it to be. Are y'all tracking with me? So let's dive into it. Matthew 5, 17 and 20. Let's go on. Jesus goes on to say, don't think that I've come to destroy the law of Moses or the teaching of the prophets. I have come not to destroy their teachings, but to give full meaning to them. I assure you that nothing will disappear from the law until heaven and earth are gone. The law will not lose even the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter until it has all been done. A person should obey every command in the law, even when that does not seem important. Come on, that's a word for somebody right here. Even those that don't seem important. Oh, yeah, but that's just a little thing. I ain't got to worry about that. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Every part of the word of God. Whoever refuses to obey any command and teaching others and teaches others not to obey it, it will be, 
it will be the least important in God's kingdom. But whoever obeys the law and teaches others to obey it will be great in God's kingdom. All right, you see, the context here is God's kingdom. I tell you, you must do better than the teachers of, law, of the law and the Pharisees. If you are not more pleasing to God than they are, you will never enter God's kingdom. Isn't that crazy? Now, this was a mindset for this. This is, this is, they, he was, he was, this was a paradigm shift for him. He's like, wait, what? These guys have dedicated their lives to, to teaching the law, to, to, to living out the law, and we gotta be better than them to enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he doing? He, he didn't want more religious rituals. He was trying to change the culture and the mindset of what the Jewish people knew at the time. You see, Jesus himself is the realization of all, both the prophets and the law taught and expected. Now that Christ, who's the fulfillment of the law, has come, the Old Testament must be understood in the light of him. So you see what I'm saying? We don't do away with the law, but the law the whole time was pointing to Jesus. The law the whole time, everything that, that, that God gave through Moses, the Ten Commandments, everything, and even the prophets was all pointing to the Lord. Now Jesus came and he said, now listen, I'm fulfilling the law. I didn't come to do away with it. Jesus goes on to give him many examples by starting out with the phrase, you have heard it said, but I say. Let's look at a few of these. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Jesus said, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say... If you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. See, the expression our ancestors were told refers to the traditional interpretation of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. See, through their traditions, although their traditions prohibited murder, it did not permit it that they could hate somebody. So it's okay, as long as I don't murder somebody, I can hate them all day long. That's what they thought. I, I can, I can walk around and I don't stand him. I hate him. I could, I can tear him up and down, but as long as I don't touch him, I'm good. But Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing it. You're not even supposed to hate somebody. If you hate them, you're just as bad as a murderer, right? See, in the kingdom culture of King Jesus, merely refraining from committing murder is not sufficient. So let me say it even more so. And we'll look at all the other examples. Just refraining from the act of sin is not enough. It's a heart condition. And Jesus teaches that. He says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and out of the heart flows, and he lists all these sinful actions. So that's what he was doing. He was changing the culture here. Here are some more that Jesus taught from Matthew 5. The law said, don't commit adultery, but I say, don't even look with lust. The law said, don't break vows, but I say, don't even vow at all. Amen? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He also said, the law said, you can divorce, but I say only if your spouse has been unfaithful. The law said, let punishment match the crime, but I say, turn the other cheek. The law said, here we go, you can hate your enemies, but I say, you must love them. You see that? Jesus was changing the culture for what they were believing, but he was setting it for us. It's more than just religious rituals and walking out, do this, don't do that. It's a heart condition, you know. It's, it's, it's how our culture and how we live our life in our homes, in this church, in our community, it's going to all have to do what, what's in our heart. That's what changes us, and that's, what, that's how our culture is set. We get our culture by the king's words, what he said, and I'm talking about King Jesus, the king's nature, who he is, we know he is love, we know he is mercy, his mercy is in every morning, and the king's action, what he did. 
You know, just this morning I was reading again in John 13, 15, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And this is what he said. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You see, his actions set an example. We don't just read about Jesus and teach about Jesus. We got to go out and live it out. And when we live out the way Jesus lived, we'll begin to change the culture around us. Amen. Whether it's a, a, a legalistic one inside a church or a, a godless one out there, right? It, it, it covers both sides. See, he was defining a culture of serving. And so the, king, the, 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 the culture of the kingdom of God is set by the king himself. Number two, the kingdom's culture is set by the laws of the kingdom. You remember he just hit on the laws. He said, I didn't come to abolish the laws. It's set by the laws of the kingdom. Think about this. As the laws go on this country, so the culture would follow as well, right? Why was, for, for many, many years, abortion was a back alley thing? Well, what happened? They made a law to make it legal, and now our culture kills babies at will. Isn't that right? That's a great example. As the laws go in a country, the culture will follow it. See, the moral laws of the Word of God set our culture. We just read Matthew 5 where Jesus said we must obey the law, which is his word, and even teach others to do so. See, why, why do we need to do this? So we can set the culture in us and also spread it. Because let me say this, culture is contagious. Culture is contagious. When you get amongst a culture, when you get into, when people move to a certain place and they get in that culture, it's contagious. It, it, it begins to spread and influence you, but it could also influence others. But the laws of the kingdom is what sets it. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction Conviction of sin, we talked about it in the last week, you must be convicted of your sin and turn from your sin to inherit the kingdom of God for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live. Now look, this is what I, I like how the Amplified really drives at home here. Learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. See, this verse right here, first and foremost, affirms that God is fully responsible for his word. Scripture is true, reliable, authoritative, permanent, and powerful because it comes from God itself. Now, people say, well, man wrote the Bible. Yes, man physically wrote the Bible, but this scripture makes it clear that God, it was, it was, it was God breathed and it was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. Its message of the Word of God is consistent in its testimony about Jesus Christ and His kingdom. So in saying that, what's one of the main purposes? Well, let's read that last line again. What's the purpose of the Word of God? Jesus, they called it the law back then. Now we know it as the Bible, the Word, the Holy Scripture, whatever you want to call it, the law of God, so to speak. What's the purpose? 2 Timothy 3.16, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, I love how he puts that in there. A lot of people live godly on Sunday, but privately, it's a different story. I love how the Word of God, and that's the, the Amplified dug into what the Greek, the original Greek, me and Tim were talking earlier, and he said he loves the original Greek language. The, the Amplified did a great job here, living both publicly and privately according to God's will. I love this, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral Courage. Man, there's so much in there. I could preach a whole message just on that verse right there. 
There's so much to that. You know, we tell our kids they need to behave. Well, you know what? Us adults, we need to behave too. We need to behave in an honorable way. Because you know why our culture is so crazy? Because people don't behave in an honorable way. People don't honor one another. And so, you know what? We need to have personal integrity and moral courage. And I love this. If we have moral courage and integrity, we can change the culture. Or we can at least live by the culture we're supposed to live by and not be influenced by the culture. See, the Word of God shows us how we should act, how we should talk, and how we should relate to one another. These are the things that set a kingdom culture. Now, let's read the last verse in 2 Timothy uh, 2 now. Let's go on to verse 17. We're reading a different translation. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen to what it says. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, early in 1 Timothy 6, 11, Paul called Timothy a man of God. But now Paul states that any Christian could be a person of God. You can be a person of God, a woman of God. So although the New King James says a man of God, what that means is it don't matter if you're a man, a woman, or a child, you can be a person of God, right? How? He says it by studying the Word of God and obeying it and letting it control your life. A side note, all of what the Bible calls men of God in the Bible, named in Scripture, including Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, David, and Timothy, were all men who were devoted to God's Word. Two words in verse 17 are especially important, complete and equipped. In the original language, in the Greek language, the word translated uh, complete means to be fit, to be in fit shape or in fit condition. It does not suggest that you're perfect. Some translations say perfection. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. Rather, it implies being fit for use. You're ready to be used by the maker. Come on, in this time more than ever, we should be ready for the Lord to use us. There's such a great opportunity to be used by God right now. We don't want to just humdrum over 2020. I've been, I've done it too. But why don't, why don't we end this year trying to change things around us, trying to be used by the Lord as we go into the, let's not just survive the rest of 2020. Why don't we try to be used and fit and ready for the Lord to use us as we go into another year? See, the U.S. military and any military Make sure that every single soldier is in shape and they're in right condition mentally, emotionally, and physically before they ever step on the battlefield. This is what the Word of God says that it does. So listen, when we talk about reading or studying the Word, I'm passionate about this because I think a lot of people, we say, hey, you need to read your Bible every day, and they just read it and check it off as I did my Christian duty for the day. But you got to look at it, you're getting briefed every day for battle. You're getting prepared every day for battle. And we're gonna, the battle's gonna get fiercer and fiercer as we go on. It's gonna get worse and worse. We need to be, with the next word is equipped. Has a similar meaning. It means equipped for service. That's, that's the original term. In other words, the word of God equips a believer so he can live in a way that pleases God and do the work he wants him to do. The better we know and apply the Word of God, the better we'll be able to work for God. See, this purpose of studying the Bible is not just to understand doctrines or to be able to defend your faith, which is very important. The Scripture also says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. If anybody asks, it's important. It's very important. But the ultimate purpose in what the Scripture says in equipping believers who read it is the Word of God equips us to do the work of the Lord. And listen again, church, the times are not going to get any better. Matter of fact, they're only getting worse. But as Christians, we can get better and we can get bolder. 
I was just talking to, to a couple yesterday about this and like, okay, you know, somebody who's there asking me, man, what do you think about everything going on? Well, the world's only going to get worse. So, so let, I hope I don't, hope I don't bust your bubble here. And I hit on it last week. Things are only going to get worse, y'all. If we're, if we're praying and hoping and waiting for 2021 to this be this utopia of rainbows and butterflies, it ain't happening. It's not going to happen. But the good news is, is that we can get better and we can get bolder. And you know what? We can be examples to those around us. We can, we can live out the kingdom culture. We can, we can live in boldness. And when everybody else is shaken and fearful and worried, we can stand and be unshakable like we talked about last week, right? Remember, we're inheriting an unshakable kingdom. So if the kingdom of God's inside of us, we shouldn't be shaken either. That's why this is the best time. If you're not equipped, if you don't feel ill-equipped to handle these last days, it's time for you to get equipped. It's time for you to get in shape. It's time for you to get conditioned by the word of God. You need to get, you need to study and get, get briefed and get prepared each and every day. See, we must separate ourselves from what's false. And God knows there's a lot of false stuff out there and devote ourselves to what is true and continue to study the word of God. See, the word of God is full of kingdom culture. If you in, in, in just immerse yourself in the kingdom and study or in the word and you study it, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to experience, learn, and be able to carry out kingdom culture. And the third and final thing is you must adapt to the kingdom culture. You must adapt to the kingdom's culture. I thought about this. Every mission trip we've ever been on, and I, I don't know, I've been on s- several, seven or eight now, uh, mission trips to foreign countries. If you've ever been on a mission trip, and even if you only go for one week, when you get to that country, you have to adapt to their culture. And here's a couple of examples. I remember we first started going to Mexico. When you get to Mexico, when you go to church, there's a certain way you have to dress. They tell the girls, you better wear long skirts and you got to do this and that. Some churches in Mexico, the men and women don't even sit together. Even husband and wives, men sit on one side of the church and husbands sit on the other side of church. You think any of us walked up in there and said, man, I ain't doing that. I want to sit by my wife today, you know? No, we're going there to serve. We're going there to help make a difference. So we go and we dress like they dress. We, we, we sit how they sit. And here's a big thing. It was always hard for teenagers. And you eat whatever they put in front of you. Whatever. And, it, you know, we, we're in a culture like, ooh, I don't like this. I'm, and you push it away. When you go on a mission trip, it's very offensive. These people are so poor. They want to, a lot of times, they want to thank us and bless us. And the only thing they can do is, they, is, is by cooking for us. We'd be up in the mountains and we'd be working all day like, oh, they're preparing lunch. And you see a pile of feathers and a pile of guts and then a pot right there. And it's like, okay, probably didn't rinse that off in between, you know, but hey, that's why we bless the food, right? And you're going to eat whatever it is that they put in front of you, right? And it's amazing, you know, so because you have to adapt to their culture. See, listen, the mindset is we're going over there to serve them and to help them. If we're servants in the kingdom of God, we got to adapt to the kingdom's culture. We can't say, oh, God, I want to serve you. I want to do all of this, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to adapt to this. You must adapt to the kingdom's culture. Look at Romans 12, 2 again. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but inwardly be transformed by the Holy Spirit. So if you've been adapting or been 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 uh, copying or imitating the world's culture, he's saying, listen, that has to change, and you got to let the Holy Spirit transform you through a total transformation of how you think. Most of this starts with our thinking. 
This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You will not change the kingdom's culture, but it will change you. You'll never change the kingdom's culture. You'll never change the kingdom's culture, the, 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 the culture of God himself, of the Holy Spirit of the Bible. See, the world wants to control your mind, but God wants to transform your mind. Come on, somebody. See, this word transform is, is the same word that's found in Matthew 17, uh, uh, is the same word as transfigure in Matthew 17, uh, Matthew 17 too, when Jesus was transfigured. It's the same word. It, it's coming to our English language as the word metamorphosis, which is described as a change from within. The world wants to change your mind, so it, 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 it gives you pressure. It presses you from the outside to change your mind. But the Holy Spirit changes your mind by releasing power from within. See, so there's a constant battle of the world trying to change you and, and, and form you or conform you to their culture from the outside, and the Holy Spirit's constantly working to change you from the inside. If the world controls your thinking, you're a conformer. If God controls your thinking, you're a transformer. Come on, I'd rather be a transformer. I don't want to conform to the world's culture. I want to transform the world around you, around me. What about you? See, God transforms our mind and makes us spiritually minded. Again, it goes back to by using his word. As you spend time meditating on God's word, memorizing and making it a part of your inner man, you will gradually become more and more heavenly minded or spiritually minded. Next, in order to know God's kingdom culture, you must know the king's will. See, your mind controls your body and your will controls your mind. Many people think they control their own lives by willpower, but it usually fails. It's only when you yield your will to God and his power can he take over and fill you with his power and make you be victorious or help you to be victorious. We surrender our wills to God through disciplined prayer every day. And we join in Jesus's prayer when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, Lord, but your kingdom come, your will be done. We must pray about everything and let God have everything. Again, it's so important. That's why we say it, you know, over and over. Because I, I personally, I, I don't see, when we encourage people to study the Word of God and get in the Word of God, we don't see a lot of fruit from that. And, I, and, and forgive me if you've been in church a long time and you've heard us for many years talking about daily devotion and starting your day. I know there's a lot of new people in church or people that are watching online. So we must start our day by surrendering to the Lord, spending time in his word and letting him transform your mind and preparing your thinking for the new day. See, that, that's why I'm a big proponent of starting your day with the word of God, starting your day in prayer, because it, it, it gets your mind ready. It gets you... You, you know, just like you stretch before you go work out, right? You get prepared before. You know, you, 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 have to, you have to prepare yourself for the day ahead. Then pray and yield the plans of the, of the day to the Lord and let him work as he sees best. Especially pray about those things that have been concerning you, worrying you, and upsetting you. So as we close, I just want to remind you the kingdom's culture is already set. So we have an eternal eternally set kingdom. It will not change. Think about this. Worship was before the beginning of the earth and is going to remain after the earth, right? We saw it at the beginning. We're going to worship for all eternity. Honor. We talked about honor. Honor was before the earth and will remain after the earth. Harmony or unity was before the earth and it will remain after. So what should you do? As we close today, are you living in the kingdom's culture? Well, ask this question. Look at what's normal in your life. Is it the kingdom's culture? 
What's normal? Is it, or do you get caught up in all the melee, the negativity, and all of these things around you? Start looking at the world through the lens of the kingdom's culture. We have to live in this culture. Again, like the Bible says, we, we have to be in this world, but not of this world. So what's normal in your life? The things we just talked about, or what's normal? When, when, you, when, when, when things come up, is it the fruit of the Spirit? Is it a Christ-like behavior? Is it serving? Is it, you know, all the things he was talking about? Because it can either be worldly or it can be religious. But Jesus had to change the mindset of both, and he's still doing the same thing with us today in our culture. I want to close with this, this last scripture, Romans 14, 13, and 17. So let's stop condemning each other. I'm not going to read it all. Paul goes on to talk about food. Don't condemn each other about what kind of food you're eating. Stop condemning each other. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but by living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Church, I want to wrap it up today by saying this. The world's culture is full of people condemning and criticizing each other. Isn't that right? All you got to do is get on social media, turn the news on, or talk to somebody. This culture is all about criticizing the person you disagree with, condemning people for what they've done wrong. The Lord says we need to stop doing that. The kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink. It also goes on to say a pastor friend of mine sent me a scripture yesterday. It says the kingdom of God is not a bunch of talk either. It's living in the power, the presence, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. This is the culture of the kingdom. But similar to what I said last week, Jesus says in John 3, 5, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means you have to, we all have had been born of the water, right? Natural birth, right? When you're in your mother's womb, right? There's a, there's a water sack there, you know, woman's water breaks, all that. So you got to, we all been born of the water. That's done. We're all here. But he says we got to be born of the Spirit too. In other words, you must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. Last week we looked at everybody won't inherit it. I listed a bunch of things, or the Bible, I'm sorry, listed a bunch of things that if we live that lifestyle, but the good news was he said if we turn to Jesus and call on the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the same thing. If we're born of the Spirit, if we're born again, we can enter. This is an eternal kingdom he's talking about. Last week we talked about the indwelling kingdom, the kingdom amongst us. It's ancient, it's eternal, talking about a kingdom culture. In order that you'll never live out a kingdom culture unless you're born again into the kingdom. That's where it starts. Do me a favor. With every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you're at home watching, I want you to bow your head with me. We've all been born of the water. We're here. It's natural birth. Have you been born again of the Spirit? If you haven't, if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure. I did. I was a part of, or I did two funerals today. I mean, I'm sorry, this week. I did one Wednesday and I did one Friday. Again, one of these young men, 52 years old, passed away instantly. If that was you, and today was your last day on this earth, are you going to enter into God's eternal kingdom? The Bible says, we've all sinned and fall short of his glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. That's an eternal kingdom through Christ Jesus. It says if we repent, turn away from our sins and turn to God, we shall be saved. We will be born again. If that's you and you say, Brandon, if today was my last day on this planet, I don't know where I would spend eternity, but I want to know. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. 
Thank you, Jesus. Say, man, I want to get right with the Lord. I need to get right. Ma'am, I see your hand here in the middle. Anybody else? Anyone else? Say, man, I I need to get right. I want to enter into God's kingdom. Anybody at home will join with this this lady and anybody else. Let's pray. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Just pray something simple like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me and dying for me that I can live in your kingdom. I turn away from sin today and I turn to you and make you my Lord and Savior. Help me, Lord, to live in your kingdom as you designed me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these today. Amen. If you if you made a decision and you, and, and you prayed that prayer, you can go to the, uh, the, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision, fill it out, bring it to the info center, or you can click online to the connect card. For the rest of you, why don't you stand up with me? And come on, let's, let's no more imitate the culture and the ideas and the ideology and the criticism and condemning of the world around us. But come on, let's, let's, let's live out a kingdom culture. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these here today. And I pray, Lord, if anybody's been influenced or living by the world's culture, that they would be transformed on the inside by the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you may need to be filled with the Spirit. Just ask the Lord, Lord, take control of me right now. Fill me with your Spirit. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Take control. As the Scripture said, I want to discern your will. I want to know your will. Holy Spirit, help me uh, to, to live out the kingdom culture. Help me to live the way you want me to live, Lord God, that I can not only uh, live by the kingdom culture, but I can help spread the kingdom culture to others, Lord, around me, Lord. Help me if I, come on, let's ask the Lord. Maybe you've got a mindset of, of religion or, or legalism. Come on, let's ask the Lord. That's not the Lord's culture either. Come on, let's ask him to break that off of us. Lord, I pray that you would break any legalism or religiosity off of us, but that we just seek first your kingdom, your heart, and who you are, Lord God, that we can be transformed in our lives and carry out the kingdom culture wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here after service.